Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys, sponsored by Checker. Background screens for your faith or volunteer organization. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization. Our mission is to inspire, influence, and impact church safety and security teams. We are protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations with your hosts, James McGarvey, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on social media, YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, and on the all-new Church Security app. Well, hello and welcome to the Church Safety and Security broadcast uh, with the Church Safety Guys. I am James, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host in crime, Paul (laughs) Buckner. Evening. And uh, and sitting in for for Mr. Scully tonight because he has family in town is our our good friend John Riley. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Doing great, doing great. Good to be here. So I, I'm confused. I thought this was going to be a Pilates class, like an online Pilates class. So I'm I'm confused, but I'm just going to roll with it. <laughs> I, I've got nothing. So if you yeah, moving on, moving on. If you've just joined us or you haven't uh, you haven't watched our broadcast before, welcome. I'm I'm gonna apologize ahead of time uh, for the puns and the jokes, but uh, that's kind of how we roll around here. Yes. So uh, in the future, uh, or if you're watching this at a later time on YouTube, feel free to click like and subscribe in the the lower right hand corner. And as always. Uh, we're here to serve you, so you can reach out to us at churchsafetyguys.com, or you can visit us on the church security app, and um, there's plenty of resources at both places that uh, you can use for your church and and whatnot. So, um, so we're we're kind of pre-recording this, but it's it's still current events. So the the reason that I wanted to um, talk about uh, this topic. Uh, that we'll get into it for a second or in a second is because of um, I think most people know uh, the news story about uh, the pastor in Nashville uh, that um, I think it was last Sunday that uh, disarmed an individual that came in. He had a firearm. He walked up to the the podium and uh, they were able, the pastor was able to kind of deescalate the situation with others and then take the firearm from him. And he was tackled. Uh, that gentleman was tackled. And I guess now, um, USA today reported that he has 15, something like 15 charges of felony aggravated, uh, assault on him, uh, with a rather substantial bail. So (laughs) that was not posted or bond that was not posted. So I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, But it was interesting to me, and John and I were kind of talking about that this week, and we had a few folks reach out to us, and uh, they were asking specifically, uh, because in one of of John's posts in our group, uh, he mentioned, uh, or John, you mentioned that um, you were really impressed with his de-escalation technique. And what kind of like just just from watching the video 
And so one of the questions that we had come up during the week, I started thinking about it and I'm like, you know what, that's actually a really good question. And that question was, uh, how, how did you see, like, how did you interpret that video as he was being de-escalating? And then uh, that kind of also prompted another question, which was body language. And I know we talk about body language quite a bit um, from, you know, the Patrick Van Horn, the, um, the former FBI agents. There's a few of them that have written great books on, um, I forget one, one of them is, uh, everybody knows by Joe and I forget his last name. I'll have to look it up. Um, but he's like an ex CIA agent that, um, helped with their process of detecting lies and stuff like that. Uh, I think it's Navarro. Joe Navarro is his name. So, I think when we refer people, a lot of times we say, Hey, go read a book, right. And go learn. And that's a great place to start. But a lot of times it's hard for us to, to grasp something when it happens in front of us with body language. And so I wanted to do kind of a two part series, um, with someone that, uh, knows about deescalation and can, can speak <laughs> just a tiny bit, right to that, uh, that topic. So, um, so without further, further eloquence, we can, we can jump into it, but, uh, let's, let's start off, John, if you could just kind of run through what your general, uh, general thoughts on that, that event and the video, and I, I got a chance to see it and I know you did as well. Um, I don't know if they have a security team. Um, I haven't reached out to the church. Sometimes I'll, I'll try and reach out and see if maybe someone will come on the broadcast. Um, but they have security cameras, right? So we know that they've got some kind of precaution uh, because they were able to record the, the event. So um, why don't we start there? Can you kind of walk us through your thoughts? There's, yeah. Um... Thanks for having me on again. Uh, there's actually several uh, several things you can pick up out of that video in a split moment. Number one, it's not a large church. Uh, it was a Monday evening service. And even then on a Sunday, it's probably not, not that much more crowded. So it's a small church. Whether or not they have a, a security team, it could be an usher or greeter at the door keeping an eye out on the parking lot who doubles as a security. Um, so it may or may not be uh, any much more advanced than that. <clears throat> When the individual first stood up on the stage and 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 pulled out that weapon, uh, it took me from myself, from my perspective, a split second to recognize he wasn't uh, there, at least in that moment. And you only have a quick window here. He was not actively shooting at anyone. He he was there to look intimidating. He was there to put fear in people. And of course, we can't tell what he was saying. However, he did some hand gestures as if he was. It was kind of hard that I mean, obviously, I wasn't there. We don't know. But it seemed to me he wanted them to continue with the praise and worship. It seemed to me he was interrupting a praise and worship because you see him uh, kind of gesturing and so on. The pastor, and this is where I think uh, uh, things went right. Um, and I was so dismayed when I've seen some of the comments people made about what coulda, shoulda, woulda, might have happened differently. And some people making comments, well, if I, I know I can guarantee you 100% if this happened at my church, it would have ended differently. 
And I'm like, how much better and more effective can you be when a situation ends bloodlessly, no injuries, no property damage? Mm. So I have to think that this individual and the individuals who make comments like that are insinuating or strongly implying that they would have just shot the guy. Mm. Anyway, what was done right here is that no one panicked. Mm -hmm. Uh, because add additional chaos and all that may have caused this individual to actually finally start shooting. But there was this window where he was not an immediate threat in that he wasn't pointing the weapon at anyone. There was a quick moment where he did point it at the crowd. Mm. And then from the rest of the time, it, it, it you know, he just seemed uh, just to be mindlessly uh, waving the weapon around. Um, there's a, there's a, a known psychological condition, I think is called the startle effect, uh, this human factor. It takes time for your brain to process and accept what's going on and accept that it's actually happening. And I remember I was just telling a buddy of mine <clears throat> today, I've had that experience as a police officer. The very first, I can still remember the first time I found uh, a gun hidden in a closet. Uh, we were we were going through someone's house, uh, wanted for something. I can remember uh, lifting uh, up some clothes uh, on the shelf inside the closet. And wow, there was a gun. And you have this startle effect as in, wow, there it is. Mm -hmm. And that happens in, in, in all of our lives for one reason or another. It's a startle effect. And, and uh, so this pastor looks at this guy because initially until he brandishes the gun, he's just some guy stepping up on the, on, on the stage. And now you see a weapon. Now the pastor's brain and mind has to process, okay, this guy has a gun mm -hmm. while everyone else is still processing it. He got past that initial startle effect quicker than everyone else and, and came up with the game plan. And this is the second thing that came, uh, that went right. And even John Correa on active self-protection talks about this. He waited for his moment. He didn't rush into anything. He accepted that this is real and I have to do something. And he made he made that decision to flank around. And then, boom, when it was go time, it was go time. And that prompted everyone else to jump on it because uh, panic is contagious, but also decisive action. And once they saw this pastor hit him, everyone else jumped on it. And so now here we have a situation. No one got hurt. Good guys go home. Uh, bad guy gets to face justice. I don't know how much better this, this could have happened. The de-escalation aspect of this is one of the things I'm trying to teach people is, is, this, is to change their um, definition of, of de-escalation. It's lowering the intensity level of a situation, of a person, to avoid a potentially violent situation into becoming a violent critical incident. And that's what they did. This was a potentially violent incident. And we, we brought the situation down by grappling him and taking this, the handgun away from him. And that totally de-escalated this situation. No one got hurt. No uh, property got severely damaged. And even if it was damaged, I'm sure there's insurance. But that's a win-win right there. And so that's how I looked at it and, and took in this one-minute video. For sure. Paul, did you want to? <clears throat> yeah, there's several in. things that I think of there because they, they escalated at the right time. And a lot of this is news to me. I've got a sick family member. I've got some stuff going on. I've been kind of living under a rock. So I have had zero time. So I'm coming in as that guy that has seen <laughs> nothing to do with this other than a headline that says pastor tackles guy at church. Um, so I was listening to this with fresh ears and um, 
so I love the fact that the pastor acted decisively when the time was right. He earned, he earned that moment as John Korea talks about, and he set himself up for it. And then he didn't go half-heartedly. Um, you know, if you're going to go, go big, mm-hmm. you know, fight like the third monkey trying to get onto the ark, but <laughs> you know, in an, in an ideal world, he would have never made it to the stage mm-hmm. in an ideal world. Um, his hand would have been jammed running, reaching for the weapon and somebody would have had control of him in the weapon. We don't live in an ideal world. Mm-hmm. And so, so for anybody at home that that's saying they would never make it up onto the, the stage at our church, hallelujah, that's exactly what we want to have happen at your church. We don't want the guy to make it up on the stage and we never want him to earn his draw. But now that we now that we're past that and the guy did earn his draw, um, the, the pastor waited for his moment and then he took it. And that same thing happens with um, that same thing happens with when we try to earn our draw and somebody's trying to mug us or whatever. And I've come to realize over time, and I'll, I'll throw this into the mix and then throw it back to you guys, but there's a time when God and the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to do something. I remember fighting a guy that was really high on meth, and his nose was broken, and he was slinging blood around. And I had I had a point where I could poke him in the nose really hard with my hand. I could punch him. And I felt like the Holy Spirit leaned over and said, don't. And we were fighting this guy. We'll come to find out his nose was completely dislodged, and the bone. And had I punched him in the face, I could have killed him. And another guy had a, had a clear shot for a kick. And this guy was slinging cops around like ragdolls. It was, you've heard me talk about it many times. It was a real eye opener for Paul Buckner. It taught me a lot about myself and about life and about how fast things can go sideways. And I'll never forget that feeling of don't. And we have to remember it's a ministry first thing. And we aren't, we aren't here to be Johnny quick draw. And I've been in a couple of situations where somebody was acting erratically and had a firearm. I remember a guy, I'm standing in a store, a guy reaches into his pocket, pulls out a revolver at the counter and it's pointed. He's got it laid laid in his hand, but he pulls it up like this and his wallet's on top of it. I take a step back. I put my hand on the hem of my garment. I'm behind the guy at an angle. I have a clear field of fire. I've clicked all these things off of my brain, but my, but I knew this isn't right. Something's wrong with this situation. And he didn't roll the wallet over and point the gun at the clerk. Um, he holding the gun in his hand, tilted the gun up, turned and opened his wallet and handed his debit card over to the clerk. Who's like, okay, this is going different than the way I saw it in my head. And, and, but I realized in that moment, this guy has less than no common sense. He has less than no firearms training and um, is pocket carrying a revolver and just pulled it out in front of God and everybody on camera with two witnesses. Mm -hmm. And I realized now in some people's minds, I would have been justified to shoot him the instant I saw the weapon, but I was in position. But in that moment, I realized he's just, he's just a goober. And it went back into his pocket and he took his debit card. He left with his purchases, none, none the wiser that the clerk had somebody watching his back. And the clerk looked at me and was like, like everything, but literally. (laughs) And, and we joked about it and we went on. There's a time for go time. That guy comes out with his weapon. He, I, I, I would like to think he would have been looking at my weapon, John. I, I would like to think at the very least, I would have been commanding him in no uncertain terms to drop the weapon but it is what it is. And I wasn't there and, and none of us were, but in that moment, there's a place I'll give you another one. And, and this is a great one. There's a time, John, where I would have killed this man, mm-hmm. but I'd like to think with the Holy spirit and training that I would have listened in that moment. 
Kansas City, up by prospect. I'm doing security. God put me in another place because God knew my heart and where I was at. Based on my training and experience at the time, John, I would have shot this man probably twice in the chest, minimum, probably four times. He walks up to one of the women with our group, raises his shirt, wraps his hand around the the gun he has carrying just in his pants, um, you know, no, just tucked in his, his uh, pants, pulls it straight up in the air, and then hands it to her and says, I want out of this gang and I want out of Kansas City. Can you help me? Wow. And I guarantee you that the Paul Buckner from a decade ago would have would have driven straight out and put four shots center mass before he could turn the weapon and point it at her. But I would like to think that between, because I've got a lot more training now, but I'd like to think that with the Holy Spirit, I would react correctly mm-hmm. with the knowledge I have. So back well, to you. There's a there's a couple of things I want to go back to that you that both of you mentioned. Um, so for starters, John, you mentioned the size of the church. It was a very small church. Mm-hmm. The uh, the news reported that there was a, a membership of eighty five, and there were sixty eight people present that day. Okay. So it really was a, a very tiny situation, um, tiny church, and that sort of thing. And so it is impressive that they had cameras. Um, one of the other things that I thought from the video that was really impressive was um, when all of that was happening and they they were tackling the guy and, and everything was going on, everybody in the church either bolted out the back or they actually got down and they had the hardwood pews. <clears throat> so they actually got down and took shelter. And I was really impressed that they took shelter because – you know, that's something too, obviously to add to the, the chaos and, and everything. Um, but what, what was kind of interesting to me was beyond, beyond that to kind of go to what, um, what Paul was just saying, I think, I honestly think the older I get and maybe it's the more training I have or, um, the more, I see things and I just kind of scratch my head. I don't know, but I think, I think the absence of training produces pride in an individual. And you you know, whenever, whenever we, and we saw this a lot with, with um, uh, Jack Wilson, when that happened, that a lot of people were like, Hey, you know, what do you guys think? What do you think happened? Like, and, and one of the things that we've said, like Paul and I have agreed on many things. And one of the things we've agreed on since day one of doing the broadcast was we would refrain for 24 hours from saying something because there's always more information that comes out. And, you know, and that's what we did with Jack Wilson. Like we both were, we're watching stuff, you know, we're watching the news, we're reading stuff and people were like, Hey, why don't you say something? Because what do you guys think? And, and it's, it's cool that people want to, you know, tune in and see, Mm. see what we think. But at the same time, um, you know, sometimes when, when we start looking at some of that stuff, we, we come across people that are a little bit more bold with, well, if, if it went this way, this is what I do. And, you know, um, I, I think one individual said something to the effect of on a different group said something to the effect of, you know, he would take care of it personally And, uh, I'm like, you know what, here's the thing you don't always see, you know, the fact that he got as close as he did with no one knowing that he had a gun on him as it was hidden, 
that that stuff makes sense i mean that stuff happens all the time yes you know we have people come up to the altar to pray that's what they were doing they were actually standing up at the altar praying with several people he walked up so realistically if the pastor's standing there and this individual comes up that's not different like there's no red flags there to what's going on and the news actually also reported that this man had been in the church before wow. although and had visited previously but had not had any um, any red flags there either. So he comes in, he comes up at the end and he says, you know, okay, here's somebody that wants to pray. He's standing there and all of a sudden he pulls, pulls this gun out and starts brandishing it or whatnot. Now, in a lot of cases, and I know the law in Ohio and the law in Ohio is very much similar to Michigan and Missouri when it comes to brandishing. Um, but yes, if, if the individual is brandishing in a, in a life-threatening way, somebody probably could have seen that just like your story, Paul, and, and drawn and, you know, and shot him. And it could have been, you know, construed possibly as self-defense. I mm-hmm. mean, we're sitting right now, we're sitting in a, the trial um, of the, the 17 year old in Wisconsin because, yep. you know, of the same thing or a very similar similar situation happening where an individual sees a firearm and makes an assumption that his life is in danger. You know, there's, there's plenty of laws about that. So I'm not saying necessarily that that's a bad option, but what I am saying is there could be other, other ways to get around that. And there certainly could be ways to, to continue to train and add components to keep that from happening and not necessarily take a life or get to that point of saying, well, I just pull out my gun and take care of it. That's not really the right attitude to have. Um, But, you know, and one of the, one of the simple things that you could do if, if you are a church and you're listening is maybe if they do an altar call, have somebody watching people like have an usher or greeter, up at the front of the church, kind of watching body again, going back to the body language, the the body language of people, are they, we can't see in the video, but I guarantee if this individual was trying to carry through with a threat that he made, which he did make several threats against churches, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we could have looked at his, his body language and said, okay, something's not right here. Maybe, you know, he'd be sweating, maybe, all of this other stuff. Um, but there's certainly a list of things that, uh, when we, when we look at and we consider that might have raised a red flag. Um, um I want to, I want to add, I want to share with people, uh, that individuals who are veterans of the street are not going to have those common indicators of stress because this is their life. They're going to ambush someone. They know how to play the game. And so this, and this is the thing, this assumption that you're going to see necessarily see someone sweating or fidgeting or doing something like that. That's not necessarily Mm -hmm. true, folks. That's not Mm -hmm. necessarily true. You know, going back to what Paul mentioned a while ago, this this was a normal to this church a Monday evening. And if they don't have the manpower or the personnel to have security and, and, and uh, someone assigned to that specific job, it is what it is. And that's why I'm so complimentary that they did the best they could and they can they won. 
Sure. Uh, they came out, they, they adapted, improvised uh, to the situation. And uh, thank goodness uh, the pastor didn't give this individual any more opportunity to think about what he was doing. And, and you know, he didn't escalate any further. He de-escalated it. The, the pastor did. There, you know, because uh, I saw uh, someone make a comment that this individual had been asked not to come back to the church. And so could have, should have, would have, they could have had someone sit with him. Well, again, if you don't have the personnel for it, you don't have the personnel for it. Um, and and focusing all the attention on what could have, should have, would have is not doing any good. And you're not giving yourself the opportunity to really learn about how to effectively adapt, improvise and overcome a situation as it starts to go 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 off the rails. Because if they all focus about well, they could have had someone sit with them or they could have done this. OK, but that was then. How are we going to handle this situation right now on the stage with what looked like a big eight inch Python 357 Magnum? I don't know. So <laughs> I, I haven't read anything that said what it was. No, I haven't either. either. But just going on the video, it, it looked like a big, shiny revolver. Uh, so. <laughs> Well, there, there's two things that that makes me think of, John, what you just said, because it's come as you are. Um, I remember uh, Reagan saying in the early 80s that the next the next world war was going to be come as you are. And you were going to bring whatever you had with you to that conflict. There was going to be no time to build up tanks and airplanes and submarines and ships. And that's church safety. When the balloon goes up, when it's go time, you arrive with the, the de-escalation skills you have the hand-to-hand exactly -hand skills right. you have, yep. the firearms you have, and 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 if you have nothing, you have nothing. And I, I've said this to, in some of my earliest videos, James, I would say, mm -hmm. you can't say, time out, um, I'll be back, I need to go to the gym, need to do some cardio, a little bit of Krav Maga, maybe some kickboxing, get, get my ground game on with some jiu-jitsu, <laughs> go to the range, bust some rounds down range, and can we reconvene in about, I don't know, six months? Right. And the bad guy is not going to call and say, um, hey, John, going to be by your church about 945 on Sunday. I'm going to be dressed in blue jeans with a red shirt, uh, no ball cap, uh, carrying an AK-47. <laughs> They're not going to do that. And so this brings it around to my favorite hobby horse in the world that I beat viciously, which is train, 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 mm -hmm. train, train, train. Mm -hmm. And you go with the game that you have. And I was talking to a martial artist today. He's a fifth degree black belt. And he said, I am not nearly as dangerous as I used to be. He said, because I'm out of shape and he's getting better. He's coming back. He said, and I haven't practiced and it's been years since someone has hit me. And I, 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 I loved how open and honest he was because here's a truly dangerous man. I've seen him. He's a truly dangerous man with his hands, but he's willing to admit my physical health is not as good as it used to be. I haven't trained in years. Mm -hmm. And, and I haven't been hit in years and I get hurt just like everyone else. And I bring that back around to train to deescalate, spend that time because, okay, let's say you whip out your, your snub nose, double action, only 38 revolver from five you know, pews back mm -hmm. and you go to fire. And unfortunately you hit the pastor, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's terrible. And so it's well, one thing to have the firearm. To, to that point, I mean, if you look how at the video and how close that church is, realistically, I mean, if we're talking about about uh, self-defense and, and someone from the stage seeing the gun, I mean, he kind of whirled around 
you know, twirled around with it. But if we're seeing somebody at any place in that church, because of the, because of how small it was, it would have been very challenging to get a shot off a successful shot off without hitting someone else. I mean, that's just, there's, there's no other way to look at it. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what the guy's intent was other than, he just wasn't happy with churches and you know, they, they took, um, took steps to do that. But yeah, I mean, going, going back to your point, Paul, about training, um, you know, take, take the opportunity and and I'll say this and then we'll take a quick break, but take the opportunity to evaluate and see, like we have all of these situations now recorded because of cameras, because of different technology, you know, technological advances that years ago we never had, you know, we have the Jack Wilson situation recorded. We have this situation recorded. So take the opportunity to play it for your team and, and look at it and evaluate and train to address it. Um, And the fact that, you know, you're looking at all of this stuff. If you're not thinking, well, what can I do at my church to make sure this doesn't happen? That's what you should be thinking. Not, Oh, they screwed up. Oh, they did this, this horribly. And because like John said, I mean, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board with, with the idea that this, this situation couldn't have gone any better. I mean, if maybe they could have stopped him at the door, but then again, woulda, coulda, shoulda, a church with 68 people, what are you going to do? You know, that might've been the Sunday that the one safety person was, was off, (laughs) you know, who knows? So, but anyhow, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, We will be right back with you. So uh, don't go anywhere. Nobody thinks it will happen to them. But with over 2,000 emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline, it's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24 7, 365 emergency hotline, not a call center, direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only $10.95 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas of self-defense law. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection. With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates, your partner in service. When you let Checker take care of background checks, you get more time to focus on your ministry. 
Over 8,000 churches and faith-based communities across the United States use Checker. Checker lets you quickly and easily screen new volunteers, so you'll spend less time on paperwork and administrative tasks. Our fast, accurate background checks reduce turnaround time per applicant by 72% on average. Checker partners with church management systems, including Tithely, Planning Center, Rock RMS, PushPay, and Full Method, so it's easy to integrate into systems you're already using. Trust Checker for faster, easier, more reliable background checks, so you can focus on what brings you all together. To learn more, visit www.checker.com church. I changed a life today simply by doing something I love. I changed the life of a firefighter, an EMT, a paramedic, a police officer, and a veteran, all by doing something I already do every day. You see, like many other patriotic Americans, I buy my award-winning coffee from Got Your Six Coffee, not only because it's delicious, but I know they are providing service to those who serve. Are you ready to change a life? I changed a life today. I changed a life today. I changed a life today. Changed a life. I changed a life today. I changed a life today. Got your six coffee. There's purpose in every cup. What if there was a program so uniquely structured that it would help you protect your congregation and at the same time help you develop best practices to grow your ministry and to be impactful in your community? What if there was a biblical resource that would offer thousands of hours of training and experience to guide you in keeping your ministry safe and secure and being prepared for the unexpected? What if you could have the collective instruction from public safety and security experts from all over the world? at your disposal to help you with a biblical view of safety and security. Impossible, you say? Unlikely? It would be unheard of for someone to create something like that. We just did. Introducing the new biblically-based one-year certificate and associate's degree program in church safety and security. Developed by the Church Safety Guys and Centurion Bible College, this program is designed to give you the best of everything possible. Learn on your schedule, at your convenience, with experienced industry leaders, and receive college credit for it. Enhance your learning on protecting your ministry and community today. For more information, visit centurionbc.org or churchsafetyguys.com. Enroll to begin your path of biblical education and learning today. The Church Safety Guys help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over North America through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and the all-new Church Security app. Download it today. Help us continue to reach churches by supporting our sponsors, purchasing our resources, and consider becoming a ministry partner by making a monthly or one-time donation. Remember to like, subscribe, and share this broadcast with your team. And now, back to the broadcast. 
All right. Welcome back. If you just joined us, you're listening to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. And we have uh, a special guest in our virtual studio today, uh, Mr. John Riley uh, with Gentle Response De-Escalation. And we're talking about uh, the church incident that happened in Nashville uh, a few uh, few days ago. And uh, just kind of talking a little bit about body language and de-escalation and how that uh, that kind of uh, surrounds that and and what we can do uh, to learn from the situation. Um, you know, I hate I, I always hate the Monday morning quarterback. So that's not what we do here. We don't um, we don't look to pick apart anything negatively, um, but just look at what happened and kind of talk about how we can take that and learn and apply it to our, our situation. So uh, I'll throw it over to Paul. You were, I think you were going to jump in with something. Well, and I think it's going to segue nicely into what John, I think is where John is going next, because you want to train and you want to have a level head. And I remember one Sunday morning, one of my guys at my last church, he uh, radioed me and he's like, Paul, can you come out and join me in the lobby real quick? And I'm like, sure. And I walk out, I was just inside, stepped around the corner um, SUV pulls in the parking lot very quickly, approaching rapidly. He gets me to the door. I put my foot against the door. Um, the person does a slide stop right in front of the front doors, jumps out and starts running around the vehicle rapidly. Now they've entered it like 50 plus miles an hour. So red flag where they've stopped, they've left it running. They've left the door open. I'm thinking, Oh boy, this could be it. And I've got my foot against the door. I lock the door when I realize they've left the door open. And then as, as the figure rounds the back of the vehicle, it's a woman. She's got her hands up. Her face is flushed. There's no weapon. Um, she's coming towards me. There's a sense of urgency. I'm now thinking it's medical, which in a way it was. And I whip the door open. I'm like, man, what can we, man, what can we do for you? And she said, somebody that I know is in a really bad way, like health-wise. Like they're in the ER, they could die. And I need somebody to pray for me. And you talk about having to have that right mindset and you better be ready to pray at the drop of a hat. And we could have, we could have been the biggest jerks in the world and locked her out and misread that situation (laughs) drawn down on her. We could have made that way worse. So I have a pretty good idea, I think of where you're going, but I wanted to throw that out there, John. No, I, I, that, that's phenomenal. And that's exactly right. Um, And, and that type of mindset though is ministry minded. And you guys remember, I kept hammering that as much as I could at at the conference. It's ministry, ministry, ministry. And you've got to be careful that you don't uh, just assume that what you initially see is what you think it is and then overreact to it. Um, You have to have a positive mindset. And part of that mindset is not only reminding yourself that it's ministry, but also going through training. But we all know how challenging it is to get volunteers uh, to come in and do training. Life happens. You've got schedules, families, vacations, blah, blah, blah. I get it. But without proper training and consistent training, uh, it's, it's difficult to get people who only come together maybe twice a month uh, to really effectively learn how to work together as a team to negotiate a challenge and a a scenario or a situation. And, um, I I wanted to to touch upon talking about mindset. 
uh, back to the church at, at, in Nashville, they, they at least that pastor, and sometimes you only need one to kind of get the ball rolling, had that, uh, I'm going to win this attitude. He had that mindset that I, I am not going down the day, uh, and we're going to, and we're going to, you know, adapt, improvise, and overcome and take this individual down. Um, talking about rifles and carbines at churches, um, <laughs> You know, probably some people are going to be sending you some hate mail, James, or even sending me. <laughs> I personally, I personally don't think they're very practical just because of the overpenetration and, and, and so on with the rifle. I remember having a discussion with some folks who were, well, you know, it's a real bad day when you go up against a guy with a rifle and all that. And, and I told them I don't have that attitude. I don't have that mindset that it's a bad day. And they looked at me like I'm crazy. And I said, you forget that I was an infantry soldier who trained and did go to war against people with rifles. To me, a bad day is a tank or an armored <laughs> personnel carrier. Okay, that's a bad day. My mindset is if someone shows up with a rifle, I'm going to outmaneuver them and I'm going to close in and destroy them. It's, it's just to me, the equation is that simple. But for people who don't have any much more training or experience, going going up against someone with a rifle is a real scary thing. I'm not saying that it's not scary. I'm trying to get people to understand it's not as scary as you're making it out to be. Mm. Just, just maneuver, but that's why training is so critical that people work together as a team to negotiate a situation like that, uh, more than just going to the range. Um, well, go ahead. Part of it to to just to jump on that real quick, John, because you know we've talking about the the rifle and and being prepared and stuff like that. You know, part of being prepared and part of training is understanding and assessing your your weaknesses, right. And your opportunities. And, you know, Mike's not here. If Mike was here, he, he could probably have like a, a spreadsheet or he'd pull up the ministry life cycle and say, this is, this is the spot right here where you have to do that assessment to understand where your weakness is. But there's a lot of value. And I joke around about that, but it's a serious topic. If you don't understand where, your weaknesses, you won't understand what training to do. Amen. And mm -hmm. if I continue, and, and I'll give you a practical example. I'm not saying, I'm just talking about myself. Um, I have taught firearm classes, pistol classes for many, many years. I've shot for many, many years, some competition, some competitively, mostly just for fun. I'm not a bad shot. Am I the best shot in the world? No, I'm not. You know, in fact, I probably say, you know, Paul, without a doubt, could probably outshoot me because he he practices. He practices more than I do. He has the opportunity to do that more. When I look to doing something like adding equipment, adding um, uh, resources to my toolkit for Sunday, a rifle is not one of them. And, and why is that? I have nothing wrong other than evaluating, you know, over penetration and the, the ballistic things that you mentioned, John, I have nothing wrong with um, someone having an, a shotgun or a rifle as extra precaution. But the point, the reality is for me, I know that I am far more skilled with handling a pistol than I am with a rifle. If I pick up a rifle in a moment where my adrenaline's running and this situation is happening and it's not in my control, 
like most incidents, most emergency critical type situations, I haven't convinced myself yet that I, I haven't proven to myself that I'm capable enough to handle that situation with that, with that rifle. In fact, um, I went shooting the other day with a friend of mine from church and, uh, I was, I was asking questions of him. I'm like, Hey, how can I be more proficient and know that, you know, without a second thought that when I use my rifle, it's going to, you know, it's going to be accurate. I'm going to be accurate and that sort of thing. And I think that to an extent, a lot of times I think we get ahead of ourselves because we, we, we think bigger is better. And at the end of the day, when we're looking at these type of things, you know, this, this individual, this pastor, um, you know, he was, he was giving credit to, to God for giving him wisdom and for protection in the situation. He didn't have a firearm. And if he had a firearm, then he, he didn't pull it out. He didn't have time to. So that piece of it right there, I mean, he used the resources that he had at his disposal right then, mm-hmm. which was, you know, he stepped off to the side. He made it look like he, he was leaving. He ended up, you know, wiggling behind the guy and then set up, you know, set up the tackle. So from that standpoint, and again, I'm not saying that stuff is necessarily wrong or bad, but if you're going to put that in, in your toolkit to consider, uh, from a training aspect, make sure that you're proficient with it. You know, if you, if you had two, two things, mm-hmm. you know, two firearms and you're like, here, pick your poison. One was a Glock 22 and one was a AR 15. I would grab the Glock 22 because I mm-hmm. know how that handles and I know what I can do with that. Yeah. Um, so that, that mindset, you know. um, I don't want people because I've seen this happen. People become overly reliant uh, on their tools or their technology and so on. You've got to be able to function and function well with what you have. And 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 one of the comments I made in one of my posts referenced the Nashville church is that uh, once again, we see how a positive, effective mindset can overcome an unarmed group of people, but one of one, one with a good, positive mindset can overcome an armed individual mm-hmm. mindset. Um, there, uh, let me just touch upon this mindset again with the rifle. Uh, there's a video from a ring camera. I think John Correa has it. A police officer gets ambushed by a guy with a rifle. Police officer gets out. He, he hops back and forth, uh, maneuvers back and forth between the trunk of his SUV and the engine block. And then you finally, and he's, he's returning fire and you can see and hear rifle rounds skipping off the, 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 mm. through the SUV in the ground. And finally you see him just get a good shot. You hear one bang and you hear the rifleman start yelling and screaming. That's mindset. That's that confidence and knowing I can stay in this fight with the guy who's, who's got a better rifle because I'm confident that I'm better trained, I'm mm. better equipped. I'm, and, and that's where all that mindset comes, but it comes from, from training. Um, and so on. Yeah. But so I, mindset, yeah, go ahead. I, I know I want to jump in here because this is a good place. This is a good place. Um, so I want to make sure that people that people understand because I, I got asked this a lot after the Jack Wilson, uh, what we started calling the Jack Wilson challenge after the yeah. and, and uh, after the white settlement shooting, because there were a lot of folks that were saying, hey, Paul, what kind of collapsible 300 blackout rifle with frangible ammo should I start carrying at church uh, in my backpack because I couldn't have made a 45 foot shot. And I'm like, I love you. Please understand before I say anything else, I love you. And that's how I, that's what I do as a chaplain. I'm like, but we need to remember just because you haven't trained to the level 
that you can do that shot with a handgun doesn't mean it's undoable. It, until you've maxed out what the weapon is capable of doing, I don't want to talk about that rifle yet, number one. Number two, a lot of churches are very small, and you don't need a rifle in that environment. Number three, at this incident, at the with the, the shooting in White Settlement, there was no time to go get one. There was no time to deploy it out of a backpack. I don't care how slick you are mm -hmm. to deploy that thing and to, mm -hmm. to flip the safety off or to take it out of being patrol ready and charge that weapon. There was no time. There was barely time, if even that, to actually draw your weapon from your waist. And then now I want to take it to the very opposite extreme. I had a guy talk to me from a mega church. It's in a very flat environment. They have a campus that is like a significant portion of a mile and they have off-duty members of their church who are SWAT officers running around like in a Tahoe or a Yukon. And, and there's a driver and literally there's a gunner riding shotgun. And because their campus is so big that if somebody steps up out of the tree line and starts shooting into the crowd as they're leaving the church, their roving patrol that they have may be on the complete opposite end of the campus. Um, so there's there are wild extremes in churches. And James, you say this a lot. There's no cookie cutter answer to church safety. So you may have, sure. you may have a, a mega church. I would be very surprised if we don't reach a time period where there is literally a SWAT team that is in a mega church on call I, straight up. And they're, they're off duty law enforcement and they're right there inside of that building. And it's a three man team and they've got hard armor helmets and rifles, but that's a different conversation than one of us who maybe is not as proficient and I, I've got yeah. one more thing to add to that. I have literally stood with friends who have brought their rifle over. A friend of mine's dad came over one day and at 45 feet was shooting a 7.62 by 39 rifle. Uh, it was an SKS. Mm -hmm. uh, so this, this weapon can reach out hundreds of yards. At 45 feet, he was satisfied with his grouping. And I glanced at my friend, whose father this man was, and out of respect for my friend, I said nothing. And his dad left. And then we went to shooting out to a hundred yards with our handguns. And I've literally had friends walk up next to me and they could not make the shot with their rifle. You're an infantryman, John. They could mm -hmm. not make their shot at a hundred yards. And it, yeah. I shoot against friends that freak me out because they're making the same shots I'm making at 200 yards and they're using their standard issue Glock. And so I think a lot of times we undersell our equipment mm -hmm. or like you just said, we, de we depend on it way more than our actual brain because in that situation, gaining control of that handgun and getting the bad guy down was probably a better idea than drawing a weapon and getting into a gunfight on the stage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So back to you, gents. I, I wanted to uh, actually, as we start to wind down right now, I want to I wanted to encourage people who watch these videos of these incidences. And this is something I emphasize to my law enforcement classes every year at the Ohio Tactical Officers Association training conference. If you are not watching these videos with an eye for what you would do different, if anything, you are cheating yourself out of mm. Mm. A, a, a great training tool. Well if, said. If, if all you're doing is watching these videos and poo-pooing and coulda, shoulda, woulda, you're defeating, you're giving yourself a bad mindset and you're not getting anything out of this that you could. And that's one of the things that in just this one minute video in Nashville, I picked up all this other stuff that I hope other churches can see. Nice. Number one out of this is just a positive mindset. You are not defeated 
just because you are unarmed and that or, or you think you're unarmed just because mm. you don't have a handgun doesn't necessarily mean you're unarmed and the other individual has an arm uh, is is armed. You are you are not defeated. It's all about mindset and making mm. sure you train with your colleagues and co-workers and other volunteers and make sure you develop that confidence in each other also. But look at these videos of all these incidences. And sadly, there's going to be more videos to come. Um, and look at them with an eye for what you would do different, whether at work or at church, and and actually learn from it and not be, you know, being bad mouthing, uh, bad mouthing them and so on. For sure. I definitely, I think that, uh, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, when you look at things, the more, the more you spend time and I'll even, even go further and say, the more you spend time watching that sort of thing, you mm -hmm. have the muscle memory of what people look like, what they don't look like. There's nothing wrong with seeing someone that, that displays red, what we call red flags or something noticeable that's unusual. Um, and in a church setting, there's, there's not a better way to walk up then to walk up to somebody, right. We, we used to call it guest servicing in, in uh, retail. Uh, but you know, you walk up to somebody at church and say, Hey, how, how are you doing? I'm James, you know, stick your hand out, shake them, say, Hey, I haven't seen you at the, at church here before, you know, um, are you new? Welcome. Let me show you around. You know, that's, that's the type of engagement where, you know, we can adequately, put training and connect it with ministry and say, okay, we're going to evaluate what this, what this individual. And you know what? I can tell you when I walk into some place that I don't know, that's why I hate church hunting. When I'm looking for a new church, everybody hates that, right? Cause <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so awkward. You've never been there before, <laughs> but when I'm walking around and I don't know where, where I am or where things are, that's going to look a lot different than somebody that's been there before that obviously knows knows their way around so uh, you know a good way of ministering is you know going up to the individual and talking to them and and you know what if it's at an altar situation there's nothing wrong and i i, I at least speak for several of the pastors i know there's nothing wrong with you going up and praying with that person that just walked up there or maybe even as a security person you know, walk up and say, Hey, you came up to the altar. Can I pray with you? Is there something I can pray with you for? And, you know, that way you're putting yourself in that vicinity, in that area to, to be uh, better safe and, you know, to handle stuff. So anyhow, um, it's yeah, go for Two it. Things. <laughs> expect. And I said this at the conference, expect yep. broken people to come to church. Amen. Yeah. Expect broken people to come to church. They will certainly catch your attention as a DLR. Don't look right, but be also ministry minded. Yeah. You know, we actually had somebody in our church that I was very concerned about when they first started coming. Their their demeanor, their body language was quick, quick darting movements, furtive glances, um, going and parking themselves in corners. Um and I'm like, mm, I don't like that. And so I began to talk to this person. Um, they are beginning to volunteer with our church. Sunday is their first opportunity to volunteer. And, and I'm going to get to be there and see that. And I've started to have these conversations. And now this person has come up and started talking to me. 
And so when someone's in seeker mode at my church, they start plugging them into a ministry and they become a greeter. They, they start helping with facilities. They start helping in the parking lot or in the cafe. And now they're rubbing shoulders with and being discipled by and led towards the Lord. And, and it, it's a great opportunity. Well, I could have treated this person solely as a DLR. And this person mm-hmm. sees me standing with law enforcement all the time. And um, there are unfortunately colorful nicknames in, in the law enforcement community for people that are that, that would fit the description of this individual, mm-hmm. the way that they acted. And so I, I would communicate with my pastors. I made sure that ministry was happening. And then Sunday, I'm going to get to hang out with this person now that's probably going to become, and I'm going to leave the gender out, a relative of mine in Christ very soon. And I love, I love how God opens those doors and does those things. And I could have made the mistake mm-hmm. because it was, it was, ex- they're, they're, they telegraphed so mm-hmm. strongly that my instincts were just going nuts. Mm-hmm. And um, there was another individual that is very close to giving his life to the Lord. He's got a very rough background. And when he walked in the door, like his shoulders were up to here, he was always looking behind him. Like he was bowed up for a fight at all times. And the guy's built like a bull. And um, I love this guy. We've talked many times. Um, if I'm ever in a fight, I want him on my side. But he's, I mean, he's, he's been through some things and he knows what he's doing. And I've watched him, the closer he gets to God, I've watched his body language relax. Mm-hmm. I've watched him happier with life. He's changed where he works to a much safer environment. And you just said it, John. You, we should be always ministry heart-focused Mm-hmm. And yes, that's a DLR, but it's a hurting person. Mm-hmm. And before maybe maybe they become the wrong kind of a DLR where they could actually become dangerous, what if we could do some ministry? Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Peter lopped a dude's ear off and went on to found the church. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> hey. Right. Um, Right. <laughs> That's crazy. I think uh, I think we should probably leave it at that for the this yeah, evening. Yeah. So, uh, Paul, if you can you can pray us out, that would Absolutely. be cool. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Lord God, I thank you for moments like these. I thank you for friends. I thank you for for James. I thank you for John. And I ask that you would guide them, bless them, protect them. John, as he's traveling, Lord God, in a in a, an environment, make him a blessing there, Lord God, and. And Lord God increases boundaries as he goes. Lord God, he's got, he's got an amazing thing to say. Give him a bigger platform to say it. Lord God, I thank you for tonight, the way that we've talked openly and honestly about limitations, about training, Lord God, about where we really are at and assessing that and, and fixing it, but always doing so with a mind uh, to lead people to Christ, to minister first, Lord God. So I ask that this would reach the right ears, and Lord God, it would bless those that hear it. It would help them to 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 think differently, to make great decisions that will protect their church with that ministry heart. And I just ask this in your son Jesus' name. Yes, Amen. 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 All right. Well, thanks for watching. And as always, if we can be of any assistance to you, please feel free to reach out to uh, our website at churchsafetyguys.com. And uh, or send us an email. You can do that through the through the website or through the church security app. And there's some great resources on the app as well. When you log in, it's 100 percent free. Um, We've been able to do that. And when you log in and register, there's there's all sorts of great uh, tips, tricks, tools that uh, that you can use to bless your team with. So until next time, take care. God bless. Have a great night. Thank you for joining the Church Safety and Security broadcast with the Church Safe Guys, sponsored by Checker. 
We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams. Join the discussion online and for other great resources, download the Church Security app or visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.